Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Cannamom Show on the Pro Cannabis Media Group. Look for our podcast on the Pro Cannabis Media website and on all the places you listen to your favorite podcast and on our social media sites. I'm Joyce Gerber, and today I am going to be introducing you to my new Canadian friend, Amy Ryman. This will be my first international Cannamom podcast, so welcome. And we have a special guest today, our founder, Jimmy Young. Hey, happy to be here, Joyce. You're doing a great job. Very proud of the Cannamom. Thank you, Jimmy. So, I am very excited, like I said, to introduce my new Canadian friend, Amy Ryman. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Joyce. Hi, Amy. How are you? Great. So, thank you so much for calling in and talking with us today. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. We've had a little bit of a chat, and I know that we are different in many ways, but both of us transitioned professionally into the cannabis professional world during a time off yeah. or a, a career transition, correct? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Fully immersed now, and as uh, you guys are well aware, Canada is uh, kind of leading the charge internationally. So uh, it's been the, it's been quite the whirlwind and uh, quite the roller coaster so far. And we're going to be talking about that because we're both storytellers, right, Amy? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and today I am excited to share your cannabis story. So, thank you. Without further ado, I want to introduce our um, blogger, speaker, international global entrepreneur, and cannamom, Amy Ryman. <laughs> Thank you. Do you want me to applaud uh, or something? Would that make you feel Yay. better? Okay. Yeah, I was waiting for a little bit of something, <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, quite the title there. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for that. Okay, so I just wanted to start this off. So when I was reading your website, getting ready for the interview, you had included a poem in one of your blogs to describe who you are. Is it okay if I read that? Absolutely. Okay, so this poem sort of describes Amy's energy in a way that I really couldn't ever. So this is something she talked about when she was a young person in Canada. She was just starting out. Um, she was trying to get her mojo on, and she was given this very unique nickname, and this is where it comes from. <laughs> she has, let's see if I can read this here. 
She has settled into her new city, trying to stand alone, bouncing around a bit, finding shelter in the zone, touching many people with combined attitude and charm. If familiar with the game, this one sets off an alarm. Time together is interesting, for lack of a better word. Some moments are quiet serious, while others are more absurd. We have shared memories and some memories not recalled. And on occasion, some of her problems on my back were hauled. Seeming to be a fellow player in this game that we love, we feel the party below is better than the one above. Stirring up energy of whoever's path she crosses, never looking back, as over shoulder her hair she tosses. Of all the nicknames given to her soul over the years, mine is the most accurate, and that deserves three cheers. She's not to tire, and never does she tucker. Beware, if she's a boat, she is the, can I say this? Mojo fucker. <laughs> well, now we have to change the whole rating of the podcast, but that's okay. We, we can handle that. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Amy, Amy uh, we, we have you as the CEO and founder of Hip Lives, Inc., H-I-P. Yes. Can you explain a little bit about H-I-P. what Hip Lives does? You know, I am big on acronyms. It actually helped me remember a lot of stuff that I needed to uh, in university and, uh, you know, through exam time, uh, putting everything to acronym form. So when I was going through uh, this transitional period in my life, I I started thinking of a few things that were going on. First of all, uh, my health being in progress, Um, being a single parent, uh, always challenged by the hike in parenting. And, of course, with all this cannabis uh, medicinal uh, remedies that I've brought into my son and I's life holistically, uh, we've been healing in plants. And uh, with that, uh, it's HIP. It's HIP, and uh, it's the life I'm leading. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, what kind of where the foundation for that came across, uh, you know, embodying all of those different, uh, different things. And that's great. So I want to talk your story. You know, it's a little bit about your entrepreneurial work. It's a little bit about your health. But a lot of it, or something I really want to talk about, is how you work with your son's illness and how you advocate with parents, particularly. We talked a lot about shame and dealing with other parents' judgment and how you've been working with the schools and even your own pediatrician, which I thought was pretty interesting. So do you want to kind of start? Yeah. Yeah. You want to start with how you got into this? Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I'll start with with where kind of, you know, things shifted for me. So uh, I've been a single parent since my son was, and, you know, he's had some challenges, some developmental, um, some learning difficulties. Um, So I've taken him through the different specialists within Canada. However, we do differ from the states in that we do not do genetic testing. So we were seeing all kinds of um, psychologists and uh, different therapists, and he was being taken out of the autism spectrum. So it wasn't until later in life, so 2016, when he was told we need to go for genetic testing. It was about and seven at, that at time, the time? Was... He was, yeah, he was he was on the cusp of seven. Okay. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was kind of shocking to hear that at that time we were, he was diagnosed with fragile X syndrome, uh, which only impacts, uh, you know, one in 400. Boys primarily tend to show uh, a lot more of the attributes. Um, however, talk a little if bit he about, was, let's talk about a little bit of symptoms, some of the things that you were yeah, worried about. That's yeah. right. 
Yeah, well, developmentally, um, you know, he's always progressed, but he was always a little bit behind. So that's the fine motor. That's the gross motor. Um, he's a mimicker and he repeats. So, you know, playfully, this was kind of cute as a kid. As he got older, I was like, what, what, there's something different there that's cognitive and uh, it is a neuro, uh, a neurological, um, you know, disorder in that, in that sense. Um, but the biggest, uh, symptom for him is the learning disability. So at his current age now, nine years old, uh, yeah, I would say he's probably at a kindergarten uh, learning level, uh, sweet as a button, um, and, and always trying. And I do see a lot of progression. But, uh, you know, when you look at case studies, which there is not many, you see so many people all over all over the curb. So there's not one case that fits the mold. And of course, with that, what do you do uh, medicinally? Mm-hmm. Um, when you can't really say that this is this and this is that, uh, not quite like administering a Tylenol and, right. you know, uh, and knowing what the outcome will be. So, um, you know, with those, uh, those challenges, uh, behaviorally, because he was frustrated not being able to give the right answer. Um, actually, I can give you a really good example. Okay of what uh, I was described to as fragile X. So uh, if you picture yourself uh, as a cognitive individual and you're asked, go into that toolbox and grab a hammer, you know yourself, Joyce, to go into that toolbox and where that hammer is. So you pull it out. Mm -hmm. And my son, unfortunately, when he goes into that toolbox, even though he knows what a hammer is, he sees a screwdriver there and a tape measure and a ruler. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, he can't just gravitate towards the right answer or the right uh, object. So that's what's going on in his brain all the time. The answers are there. um, The memories are there. Everything is there, but it takes a while to sort through. So, of course, with that, again, frustration. Yeah, um, you know, and uh, very, very high-level ADHD. I mean, he is a ping-pong ball. So with that, you know, it becomes very hard to even learn when you're frustrated, when you're bouncing off the walls, how you sit and in, in, in sit for even, you know, 10, 15 minutes in a classroom setting uh, and, you know, receive that kind of education. So we've had, uh, you know, the challenges there. And, and, of course, you know, working with different doctors, you know, there's been uh, lots of things that work and lots of things that don't. And I would say that... Uh, my my approach to getting into cannabis started with uh, what wasn't working, which was his side effects and uh, just being having to give him more and more as he grew, uh, as the symptoms grew. Um, it was just another drug or another you know, um, substance to, to kind of conquer right. it, which and I didn't think I it like, was We had doing. actually talked a little bit about, you know, judgment and parenting, and there's so much judgment and parenting on us as parents. Yeah. And then I'm sure yeah. as your child having some disabilities, and now you've moved into an area of CBD medication, which... Yes. And I mean, that doctor, came right? from... Yeah. That's right. Um, you know, before legalization in Canada, there was a lot of accessibility for medicinal uh, patients. So myself, um, and, you know, just to kind of briefly tell mm-hmm. the, the stuff that fell after that, I mean, my son got his diagnosis. Um, and uh, within three years, I had uh, two very impactful car accidents uh, kind of shake my body and my mind, um, trying to juggle the career and his needs and my own health needs. Um, I was assaulted um, sexually at a hockey game uh, in downtown Toronto. I lost my grandparents and then my best friend to an opiate overdose. I reached the ceiling of emotional, physical, um, just every kind of relational pain you can can imagine. And I just said, this is it. Um, I was personally on 
uh, meds for inflammation, for sleep, for um, anxiety, for depression. And again, every time I went back, it was more, more in this to combat this. And I realized I was like a shell of a human. I was not myself. I was gaining weight. Uh, I was becoming very introverted. Um, it just felt like I was running in this rat race and going nowhere. And it's also difficult so to parent I, when you're feeling that way, right? You just yes. can't do it. Um, I was no good to him if I was no good to myself. Um, but where do you decide to just hang up the hat and say, you know, I'm going to start fresh. Yeah. It's it's just, you know, financially, that's just not an option. And then even with my own, um, I guess, inner spirit, that just seemed like defeated. Mm-hmm. That's not the person I am. I wanted to get back to the old me. Um, but then I realized everything I've gone through really does make me the me I am. So maybe getting back to the old me wasn't where I needed to be, but physically that's what I thought I needed to do. So I I started going down this cannabis route. So again, before legalization, uh, we did have the accessibility for medicinal. And this is where the stigma kind of came in, Joyce, because I started giving it to my son. And, you know, I, I know myself because I was investing myself. I was taking myself through some certification courses in cannabis to learn uh, about the health side and align myself with the right doctors. They were out there. His pediatrician, not one of them, not that he was kind of entirely against it, but, you know, there's just not enough information for a lot of these doctors to say yay or nay. So yeah. he said, you know, you you can give me the feedback, but this is your own. You do it on your own. And as parents, sometimes you just have to, to, to make that decision. So I did. And, uh, you know, it was a very slow go, which you, you know as well. You know, mm-hmm. cannabis is not an overnight fix. And I think this is the problem with, you know, comparing one pharmaceutical to cannabis is that it's not, it's not going to give you the relief or that instant, um, you know, subsidiary of whatever pain you're going through or, or whatever, it's not going to curb the mold in a day. Right. Um, so it's been a slow go. I would say, you know, we're, we're coming up on a year. Uh, it's taken to figure out the strain, to figure out the dosing, and to actually get us both completely off of Western Farmer, which I can say as of last week, he is now, and myself about three months. So we are just Moving you forward. Know, we are. We are plants, not pills. <laughs> and you said, so, yeah. I, so I'd actually asked you a question earlier about, so when you were working with your son and he was taking medications at school, obviously, and you were changing, transitioning into the CBD. So, and I know you said your pediatrician was not quite on board. Now he is. But how was that conversation with the nurses and the professionals at the school and how did you work with them? Well, after legalization, it was like we could come out of the closet. Mm-hmm. So even up until then, I told my son, and, and, and you know, I don't slap my wrist, I guess, if this is, is the bad thing, but I said, don't let anybody know. I didn't know what would happen to right. us. Um, you hear these cases, especially in the States and internationally, where I, I am talking to lots of women fearful of the same thing. You know, we know it's working, but there are still laws against you know, prescribing before you get a prescription to children. And so I was worried of the fear of like, what would happen if would the, the, the children's association come and take right. them away? What would, you know, so I was really, we were really quiet about it. And again, it was only three months before legalization, but it was enough. Mm-hmm. And so he thought he was in a little CBD club and it was our little private thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course, when we could out ourselves, uh, October of last year, coming into the school with his meds, basically, uh, and introducing them to the school, it was like, 
like, wow, they've never seen anything like it. We were one of the first pediatric prescriptions in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, kind of announcing this to a school where he actually attended a special needs school. So Mm -hmm. over the course of, you know, that time, then I would have parents coming up to me kind of on the QT. Where are you getting that? Who's the doctor that's prescribing it? Um, because it was, it's still been very hush hush, pediatric specifically, um, because there is so many cases of ADHD, uh, and, and lots of, um, you know, uh, problems behavioral for children that this could be a solution for many, but, uh, the doctors are still a little bit, worried about having an influx of people coming in and just wanting to to dose their children. That's not the point. Which is an interesting flip. So I'll say my children are a little bit older and the generation my children growing up in, we were almost encouraged to have ADD, ADHD medicine. It wasn't even... Yeah. I actually I had actually had a doctor before meeting my son wanted to give me med. So this is an interesting flip in how we medicate our children. So I, I mean, you're a real pioneer. Yes, and you know, and I I didn't want to go down that route, and and, and kind of being an '80s baby myself, I remember my friends, uh, you know, growing up, the ones that were on the Ritalin, and right. you know, it was like it was like a very it was like you know Pez, you know, everybody was doing it, um, but you know, my son being on Ritalin and then having to have another um, pharmaceutical to help him through the afternoon at school, uh, push came to shove when he started showing signs of anxiety last summer and the pediatrician instantly saying, we should put him on Prozac. At eight years that, old, this is not an option was, for was me as a parent. Straw? Was that your last straw? Was that project? was the yeah. last straw, yes. Yeah, and for myself, it was when I was offered opiates. And after having a, a best friend pass away from, um, you know, that epidemic, like both of those things to me just seemed bonkers that mm-hmm. we would actually do this to our children and cause future problems. Um, it just was not a solution for my family. Can I ask you a question about the process in Canada? We, we know that it's now quote-unquote, legal uh, and available for adult use. Uh, as, a, as a parent of a child, uh, I, it sounds like you have a very good relationship with your pediatrician, but I'm going out on a limb thinking that that pediatrician had to get some kind of a certification or had to learn more about the positive effects of cannabis for young people who have these challenges. So it was outside of the pediatrician that we had to go. So within, um, you know, Canada, there was a few out, um, you know, kind of Western Ontario in Canada um, that were, you know, known for prescribing. But a lot of the larger cannabis clinics now um, have nurses and practitioners on staff that do have that experience. Um, Again, we're almost a year since legalization. So that's been, uh, I think, a very big uh, research um, at some of the hospitals for the pediatric usage. Um, and then, of course, beneficially, um, they're able to use the case studies of children like my son that we can say this is where you can start. Um, you know, it, it, everybody's mapped out different. Our cannabinoids, yours are different than mine. They're different than Joyce's. There's no right or wrong for anybody. It's trial and error. And that's the unfortunate thing uh, for doctors is they can't give a definitive. What might work for one may not work for another. So there's a lot of caution around it. I think it is a case-by-case, case, and depending on the severity of the child's um, uh, symptoms, uh, I think that's where they, they're being a little bit more lenient at this time. You know, it's funny. You, you mentioned about um, uh, the doctors and the medical community and, and how they view this whole thing. Um, I'm, I'm of the opinion that most people, humans, uh, human traits, 
we don't like to learn new things, and we like things <laughs> the way they are, and we don't like to make <laughs> waves and changes, and especially yeah. if you're a doctor and you've had yourself a life and you've had your degrees and you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. basing everything on research that you read up on, on the uh, subjects that you know. But when it comes to the yeah. unknown, it takes extra effort and a desire. Yeah. Are you finding the yes. medical community looking now to get more knowledge than they had in the past? No. Firm no on that. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, a lot of 50-plus generation uh, doctors, and to your point, don't call it lazy, but stuck in their ways, absolutely. And I mean, it's I can like call saying, it lazy. no, I'm a no, no, host. forever. They're lazy. And then just... You know, deciding overnight, oh, wait, I'm going to change my mind. So it's almost like kind of putting your foot in your mouth, too, when you've probably been preaching to the choir, not quite reefer madness, but this is bad. No, we don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're the generation that we were talking about this earlier, you know, the fried brains and and the things that we were told that were completely wrong. It's hard to shift that. And doctors like research. Mm -hmm. They like to base their decisions on uh, studies that have been done with placebos and a controlled environment and all that. And I yeah. certainly get that. I, I, I am one who embraces Western and Eastern equally because I just want something that will help me if I have an ailment. Right. That's just how I've right. always been. That being said, uh, I'm older than both you women, uh, for sure, by Joyce. I really don't know how old you are, Amy. I don't know if you want to share that or not with the world. I'm 37. Okay. So, and, and actually, I will say, uh, last year, I felt like 50. Um, this year, I would say I'm back in my 20s. I feel so good. Yay. So happy to share my age. <laughs> well, that's funny you say that because I live at age 17. I'm a male after all. And that was my peak uh, of my entire life. Uh, athletically, the whole nine yards. Let's just leave it at that, though. And I'm not quite double your age. But let's just say uh, I'm much older. Uh, actually, Joyce okay. knows. But I'm, he said, be sound younger. So. I, <laughs> right, but I've got the Peter Pan syndrome. I've never grown up, according to many people we all know Uh, that being said I am trying to embrace as much knowledge as possible about this industry and I'm always fascinated you've already brought up some of the the key points as how this particular plant interacts with the human body differently because every human body is different and even though we have similarities uh, and traits as human beings, uh, the internals, our, our chemical balance of each one of us, uh, reacts differently whether we are taking two Tylenol or ibuprofen or any of the gazillion over-the-counter um, medications that are out there. Uh, we still are learning. We're still in the infancy of learning the effects yeah. of this plant on human beings. And I give you as a parent, especially a single parent, by the way, um, tremendous yeah. respect for the fact that you've <laughs> taken the initiative to do what every mother does, which is to advocate for your children or your child in this case and get them the help that they need. I, I, I can't uh, salute you more uh, for that effort and what you've done. So, Amy, can we talk? Sorry, we, we've talked a lot about your son, and we only have it's a short show, but I did want to talk about a little bit what you're doing now and how you're working with um, Dean Blundell. Is that the 
Yeah, yeah. So I work right. within um, the Dean Blundell Network, uh, content provider um, there, and obviously what we're we're trying to, to attempt to do is much to what you guys are doing at Pro Cannabis Media. Um, we are creating a platform with different podcasts um, that will you know share the message. You know, testimony and education are really what are going to uh, guide people's decision making uh, before the case uh, studies and the research really come out, and that's that's a long time coming. Um, so that's what I'm doing on on a media scale. Um, beyond that, uh, I do work in international sales, so it's been an interesting thing kind of combining my brand um, where I'm advocating and sending a message to women and then working globally where we see that there is just such a problem with accessibility. Um, so being involved in the supply chain and helping to to kind of create that infrastructure and the regulation and the policy uh, with different uh, groups like International Cannabis Corporation uh, and uh, Institute Pharma, um, you know, groups like this are, are really uh, providing the supply and all of that mandate for, for countries to, you know, start uh, start the licensing process, start the legalization, and really kind of mimic what we're doing here, but maybe better, because uh, we're still figuring it out as we go along. So I know you have yeah. your, your international contacts, and I know you're having, you know, your website, you have some great blogs, and you had a woman named Hannah Deacon. Was she a... She, yes. She, she, London? Where is she from? I'm sorry. I forget the story. But she you, is in the you, UK. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and Europe is really, you know, they're, they're hot on the map right now as they're, they're, they're you know, um, really ramping up in the cannabis. But, you know, poor Hannah, a uh, son with epilepsy, and, you know, we know, and this is across the map, we know that cannabis is known for, for uh, eliminating seizures and at least subsiding them. And so she was uh, obviously advocating like a mother and parent and like myself, and uh, she did get her son, um, went, again, he was a, a first prescription in the UK, um, but even getting that prescription, she can't get the cannabis. Um, just like in Canada, right after legalization, a couple months late, uh, like a week, couple weeks later, we were out. I mean, the need was so great, but they don't even have that uh, cultivation and that supply. Um, so, again, moving parts, all this little ecosystem I'm building around uh, what I believe in, um, you know, is to support, you know, stories like that and uh, challenges like that. Absolutely. Um, so the other question I had for you, because you are a mother and you have a mother, <laughs> and how? Yes. Ha- yes. Because <laughs> um, I, I, will, I say this all the time. My mother's in her eighties. She's a little worried. I'm in a drug cartel. It wasn't until. <laughs> Until last week, she really wasn't sharing what I did with her friends. So right. if you want to talk a little bit that, about how you related funny. with your mother. Yes. Well, she thinks I'm an international drug dealer, Okay, uh, <laughs> which I guess on paper, I technically, yes, but, um, you know, legal drugs. Right. right. And so, uh, you know, that it, it's been a thing because growing up as a teenager, I absolutely smoked recreationally. We lived in a small town. Uh, we went to church and there was a lot of judgment. You know, your daughter's doing this, your dad. It was the devil's lettuce. Um, and so I was kind of shamed. You know, my black and my sister were uh, and brother were doing everything right. So I was definitely the black sheep of the family. And, you know, flipped the coin, uh, you know, 20 something years later, uh, where this is legal, this is right. And it's just changed my life in such a positive manner, as well as my son's. It's kind of like, you know, those doctors that don't want to change their mind. Mom's going, 
hmm, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that was something. Um, she's not quite there in admitting that. Okay. But we, uh, you know, we've come a long way. And, of course, my son's spending time there uh, with my parents. Uh, they have to administer his CBD. And my mom's always careful to tell me, uh, you know, if she misses a little bit or what to do. Uh, the great thing about CBD is you can give more or less or not at all. And it's not really going to change the body's chemistry quite like if you miss a, a, a med. Um, so, so, so she's been uh, really forthcoming in the right questions and kind of wrapping her head around it. Um, you know, she's getting up there. Uh, not up there, up there, and she'd hate to hear that. But, you know, we're looking at quality of life, right? Um, For me, it's prevention for my child and for for my mom looking at, uh, you know, her getting up into her seniors years. It would be quality of life. So, um, hopefully, you know, another year from now, she'll be on the train and on the way (laughs) for whatever needs, you know, her and my dad might have. Mm -hmm. That's a good, I I have, I've been doing the same thing. I go to my mother's um, apartment. I leave her little CBD gummies. I give her topicals. (laughs) She's coming around slowly, yeah. and, you know, she's coming yeah. in, she's in her 80s, and she lives in an uh, assistant independent living place, and she told me last week that they had a CBD expert come and talk to them. So, you know, That's th- fantastic. this is really, um, yeah. it's coming from all angles, and the health and wellness part, I think, is really what's changing people's hearts and minds on this. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And you're deep into that. Amazing. So we actually, Can I ask you yeah. a little question about Canada? Go back to that yeah. real quick. Um, in, in If I'm correct... Uh, the the state government controls the weed world in Canada. Is, is that not accurate or not? It is absolutely accurate. So even at a recreational level, um, you know, you couldn't be, uh, you know, making your own honey butter and then going and selling it in, in a retail store. And actually, edibles are not legal in Canada. Right. Um, so that's another point. We've done uh, the CBDs and cannabis as legalized, um, but you can't just you know, um, go into a dispensary, those are actually illegal to have those storefronts. You would never see CBD at a truck stop like I know, um, you know, you can find uh, across the states and uh, it just doesn't work that way. We have channels that for each prov- uh, province that the licensed producers, so those are the cannabis producers, um, they have sales, cultivation, processing licenses, and then they have to go directly through those provincial guidelines to then be stored in the provincial stores that they were actually licensed. Uh, licensed out in in Ontario there was a lottery and it was you put your name in a hat pretty much um they had an overwhelming response obviously to people wanting to have their own retail store uh and they've selected 25 so those are finally launched now uh across the province and they're set to open 40 more so pretty exciting but uh yeah it is totally totally under government uh control which is, you know, so polar opposite to what's going on in the States. But Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the movement, as you, I'm sure everybody's following, it, it's very strong right now. Uh, there's more talk about decriminalization at the federal level mm-hmm. than ever before. There's There are thousands of, literally thousands of bills in the United States legislature looking to make changes beyond just making it legal or descheduling it. Uh, the the farm bill made hemp and CBD legal before they even defined what the heck that meant. Um, so, yeah. you know, it, it, it's a, uh, 
as as we say here, Joyce, mm-hmm. it's a whole new world of weed. And you are the first person that I've even talked to uh, from north of the border about the differences in the cannabis law. So I, I am totally fascinated by it as well. And yeah, I, we should uh, definitely have another conversation because that's one we could talk about for, for ages, absolutely, is the differences and, you know, what I'm jealous of you guys for and what you guys should probably be jealous of us for. But um, hopefully they get it together. It's so early days, right? Yeah, it is. And it is so early days. And hopefully in five years from now, uh, we'll look back at this time and laugh about it because yeah. I think by the time we finally get to a new normal, uh, Joyce and I dream about this and talk about this all the time, um, we will be laughing at this. And, and a lot of these things will be like, I cannot believe we waited all this long for the banks to get involved in this industry. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous in the in the States on that end. Especially in America. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Because the one thing yeah. we put out, we Yeah, well, make it's money. like prohibition's yeah. now over, right? right. So there, it's, 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 a, it's a race to see what we can do next and how much we can push that, I think, because uh, it is very exciting. And, and I feel bad for those states that aren't given that allowance just yet. But, uh, yeah, we're all coming along. Well, I think we have our theme for our next talk, international discussions on cannabis use and laws. We'll and have to get some people from Uruguay. Yes, we'll have to That's do right. it. And Israel. Israel. And Israel. Yep. We'll, be doing, right. we'll be doing a panel. We'll be doing a call-in. So, Amy, I just... I love it. I love that you called us, you know, that you connected with us. I'm so happy to talk to you and talking to another Cannamom. Are there any, I don't know, last-minute pointers, something that you want to give our listeners that you want them to know about Canada or about what you're doing with your son or what you hope to do globally? Well, I, you know, honestly, I think the message is it's just about destroying that stigma. I think that a lot of us are, are kind of closeted uh, initially, and especially if you're if you're living in a state um, that doesn't have uh, the accessibility or the legality governing it right now. Um, be cautious, obviously, in that in that case. But uh, above that, for for anybody who does have this, maybe as you know, question or something that they want to seek out, um, you know, don't get one opinion, get two opinions. Do your research. Um, I'm always looking for contributors, people to share their story because I think with those stories and those messages, uh, we're really forming a community of people that are taking a positive approach to to change and if you're not, then, you know, that's, that's fine too, uh, but just respecting one another, um, you know, in the, these kind of holistic values and, uh, you know, as change happens, we, we need to just respect each other for, for what that can mean to, to somebody uh, in their case and, and for my son, uh, it's changed his life and mine. Terrific. Great. Well, thank you, Amy. And that's it. Another fast episode of the Cannamom Show on the Pro Cannabis Media Network. And this is our friend Amy Ryman, her great website, Hip Lives. Check it out. She's got some amazing blogs. She's got some good stories and things that parents need to talk about. And we didn't even get to the women's issues. So international women's (laughs) issues. That's our next talk. Right, Amy? There we go. Can't wait, Joyce. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on. And have a great weekend. You too. And thanks again for listening to The Cannamom Show on the Pro Cannabis Media Group. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 
Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while, while we, we break, break it all down. down.